Hello, and welcome to Stuff Mom, I Forgot to Tell You. I'm Monica Francois Marcel, a Gen X founder, entrepreneur, and baseball mom based in Chicago. And I believe that if we're very lucky and work very hard, life will be long and it will be messy. So to help us with the mess and provide tips for longevity and joy in what lies ahead, each episode, I'm borrowing either the mother of a friend or a trusted mentor that I greatly admire. This is a diverse group of women who've been there and done that, and you are going to love their stories. My own mom isn't here anymore, so the stuff these women share is precious to me, and their cross-generational pearls of wisdom are just what we all need. I'm so excited for you to join us, so let's jump in. Today's guest is Mildred Coleman, who goes by Terry. Terry is the mother of my dear friend Bernard Coleman, and I can't wait for you to meet her. A quick note about the audio for this episode. We've recorded over the internet and had a little trouble with Terry's equipment. Since the sound isn't as clear as we'd like it to be, we are making the full transcript available because we don't want anyone to miss even a word of what Terry has to share. Check the show notes for more information. Now, let's jump in. Hello to you, Terry Coleman. Thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm doing fine. So as you know, our project, Stuff Mama Forgot to Tell You, is designed as a way for me and maybe your family and some others to glean some of your wisdom. As we kind of move into our, our later years, what we find is that there's not a lot of resources. There's not a lot of sharing as much as there should be about lives that people have lived and pearls of wisdom that people might want to pass on. And I am very fortunate to know, you know, your son, Bernard, and and I'm lucky enough to call him a friend. And he's just fantastic. So congratulations, by the way. And one of the things that I'm hoping to do today is just kind of figure out how Bernard got so awesome (laughs) and uh, see if there's not a thing or two that, you know, I'm guessing Part of it is him, and I'm guessing part of it is you. I'm sure part of it is you. A lot of it is you and, and your and your family and your husband. And uh, my goal today is just to get to know you a little bit more and hear some of your stories, and maybe some of that wisdom and some of that um, awesomeness will rub off on me is my goal. So with that, I'm just going to ask you a few questions. And the first one is pretty easy, I hope. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. But I'd love to hear a little more, Terry, about you know your story and if you wouldn't mind, before we get into kind of your, your current ways you spend your days and what you're doing right now, I'd love you to go back and think about when you were a little girl, Terry. Tell us a little bit about what it was like when you were growing up and what role your own parents played in kind of setting expectations for you or did they have ideas for you about what they wanted you to be in the world and how did that align with what you might have wanted for yourself when you were little? Okay. Growing up, I was born in a little town called Burkeville, Virginia, and I remember living in a log cabin with no running water. (laughs) But that was only the first five years of my life. We moved from uh, Burkeville, Virginia to Salem, Virginia, and that's where I grew up. We're a typical family, mother, father. My father was a... um, Typical breadwinner, go to work, come home, turn the money over to mom, and mom handled it from there. Okay. <laughs> my mother was uh, the dominant one in the household. She was the disciplinarian. 
She really didn't have to do much as it related to me because I was in, as my brothers and sisters called me a goody two shoes. <laughs> I did everything I could to please my parents, and I think I, I did a pretty good job. They did, I didn't give them any issues. I didn't get spanked a lot. Now, there were spankings going on because my mother did not believe in sparing the rod. We did get spanked and we did get punished. Uh, and uh, that was something that we got used to. I participated in a lot of activities growing up. My parents were pretty liberal and they let us do basically what we wanted to do as long as it was within reason and they uh, supported us. They were our biggest advocates. We had friends. We were able to visit each other. We had relatives coming to visit. So it was, uh, I guess I would say, a pretty normal growing up with six brothers and sisters. And later on, my mother adopted a young baby. Wow. And so then we became seven. We were pretty close as a family. My mother was, um, she had a pretty infectious personality. Everybody liked her. Both my mom and dad had plenty of friends and uh, activities that adults did. Growing up, my childhood, we, you had an atmosphere of speak when spoken to. So it was mainly, you know how Charlie Brown was? Yeah. You never saw adults. It was mainly <laughs> just the children. And that's the way it was with us. Uh, we didn't question adults. We did what we were supposed to do. We were respectful. I remember going down the street, and in our neighborhood, when you went down the street, you had to speak to everyone. You spoke going down the street, and you spoke coming back. And the neighborhood was such that if you did do anything that you didn't want your parents to know about, by the time you got home, they did know it. <laughs> <laughs> but not you, because you followed all the rules, right? So you weren't no, doing anything bad. I basically did follow all the rules. And um, I never had a rule where if you left the house together, you had to come home together. Uh, so um, lots of times we would leave together, and I'm ready to go home. But I can't go home until the other brothers and sisters were ready to come home. And I remember lots of times sitting... <laughs> At the bottom of the steps, our house was up on a hill, and I'm sitting at the bottom of the steps waiting for especially my sister to come so we could go into the house. Um, Interesting. But um, well, we, had, we, had lots of, we had lots of good times uh, uh, playing with one another, and we had a lot of good times with our parents. They were typical parents. My mother was, like I said, a strict disciplinarian and a taskmaster. Mm -hmm. I remember um, she was basically a stay-at-home mom. She did do domestic work occasionally and babysat occasionally. But I remember her putting a chart together for us for our um, chores and okay. responsibilities. The chart would be on the wall if she left to go to work. We had to make sure we performed all of the things on the chart that she had there. And when she came home, she checked the chart, and then she checked our work to make sure we did what we were supposed to do. And we did get feedback about how well we did. Mother loved children, and the young people loved her. 
Aww. You loved children so much that you even took in foster children. Wow. And um, those foster children, even after they left, they continued to come back to visit, call, send letters. And I remember my mother keeping a daily diary. And I was seeing her diary where she'd say, so-and-so called today. Or I received Aww. a letter from so-and-so. She was generous. She was generous with her time, with her resources, and with her advice. They, all, they were always coming to her for advice. And I'd see in her diary where she would uh, give them money. And sometimes some of them didn't have a place to stay, and she let them stay at our house. With uh, seven of us in the house, now that's just seven children. And then mom and dad, and then all of these extra folks. The house wasn't that huge. <laughs> But we, all, we managed to uh, get along, and uh, we learned, uh, I guess you could say, community service from my mom. It sounds like and it. We also learned how to be generous with our time and our resources. Now, my parents did not uh, finish school. My dad had a sixth-grade education, and my mother had an 11th-grade education. Uh, but she did after my father died. He died relatively young. He was 57. But after he died, we encouraged her to go back to school, and she did, and she did receive her GED, and she ended up uh, being um, assisted at school for oh. with kids, um, and she held uh, other types of jobs that were beneficial for her. Wow. So that, that made us very uh, proud of her. Yeah. But because of that, she wanted to make sure that all of us got a good education. Okay. And she wanted to make sure all of us were gainfully employed. And I have to say, we did please her in those two aspects. We all finished school, and we all um, received higher education. And um, we were all gainfully employed. <laughs> Thank goodness, there's only a few of us that are still working. Most of us are retired now. Wow. Um, but that was one of the things, those were two of the things she wanted us to do. But most important of all, because my mother, my mother was a, a, an only child. Okay. Her mother died while having Oh, wow. So my mother didn't have a typical household with a mom and a dad uh -huh. and siblings. So that's one thing that she missed the most. She didn't have those role models to use. And she became a wife and a parent. So I have to say she did an excellent job not having that exposure because all of us are, except for two, three, are married with families. And I have to say that we're all successful in the family. The family, the, the children are doing fine. You know, there's so many things in there that I want to dig on, Carrie, that were just really powerful. One, um, you answered the, the question about what do you think she wanted for you, right? And it sounds like how powerful that she lost her own mom, right? Uh, never even knew her. And so she wanted all of you to have, it sounds like part of what she never had a chance to, which was like a bigger family, right? And, and she created that family beyond the first six of you, right? She kept expanding <laughs> it. Um, you're reminding me a little bit you know, my mom was kind of like that. There were a lot of, we had five kids in my family and uh, there were a lot of children and uh, people that were coming through our house that she was helping out. 
Can I ask you, do you still have that diary of your mother's? Because I think that would be such a fascinating read. Yes, I, I do. Wow. That's beautiful. And I've I from talking to my brothers and sisters that each one of us has tidbits of my mother loved to write. Because my brother was talking about some, some of the writings that he has. Wow. But not, she had a five, the one I have is a five-year diary. Oh, my gosh. And she faithfully made entries every day, oh every day goodness. in the diary. Do you find yourself turning to it every now and then and kind of reading it? Yes, and, and passing on the information to my brothers and sisters because I sometimes, uh, you know, as children, you feel a little guilty. Yeah. And you're thinking that you're not doing as much as you should be for your right. parent. And I know yeah. after my uh, father passed, my mother was uh, uh, lonely and it took her a while to get adjusted. But looking at her diary, I could see that all of us were in constant contact with her her as well as all of the young people that she she uh, met and then she had plenty of activities to keep her um busy so that made me feel good i, I didn't feel as if we were depriving her of our uh, attention or affection oh how beautiful right that uh you have that legacy you have that artifact so to speak to be able to document Wow, that's, yeah. that's and, and another thing that we've got is, um, and I believe my son talked to you about it. We're all doing autobiographies, yes, but we also uh did uh biographies of my mother and my father, and we talked with each other and we jotted down all of our experiences and uh, memories of our parents and what they meant to us. Oh, let's spend a little bit more time if I can on that. I'm going to get to you, I promise, in just a minute. But while you're on that point, Terry, when you reflect, right, on the one or two things that your mom maybe passed on to you that really stick with you, I don't know if it was um, a saying or just a way of being. I think you've already given us a hint on some of those, right? Like follow the rules, when you, when you go out, come back together, community service. Is there anything else that really stands out for you in terms of memories or um, just ideas for how to live your life that, really have stuck with you? I think what stuck with me is the love. Even My mother wasn't very demonstrative growing up. After we became adults, she was with a lot of hugs and kisses, but she didn't do it as we were growing up. I think it was because it was so many of us and so many things that she had to do. But I could tell that she really, really loved us and she would do anything she could for us. You could just you could just see it. And the one thing that I regret that we weren't able to do, and this is because of life, she wanted all of us to be around her, to be mm. close to be close to her. And she she really wanted it to be a physical closeness. Yeah. And it ended up, uh, it was just two, it was my oldest brother and my uh, young adopted brother that remained in Salem, and the rest of us are in different locations, but we did do things that we could to, uh, we traveled home, we talked to her and, and all of that. But I think learning from her, I want the same thing for my family, you know, my son's in California, 
My daughter's in Alexandria, but it's like she's in another part of the world because she has all of her activities and things like that. Right. But I learned to do things, even though we're not close, in close proximity, we still remain close. The calls, text messages, I have uh, for my grandchildren a little, I have a card that calls for this call from the desk of Nana. So I write write notes and things and and send puzzles and different things like that to the grandchildren uh, periodically. And my husband sends them a monthly uh, letter that provides advice. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. My my husband is really good about that. He he would do that when the kids were in um, college. And he also did it for other uh, young folks. It was one young man from church who told him he graduated from college. He told him that the letter that he sent was very impactful, and he uh, framed it. So we're doing all those types of things to stay close to our children. And the reason we're doing it is because our mother did it. She modeled it for you all. She, hey, you know, um, side note, I think I'm going to give you all my address so that I can get on the mailing list for your husband's uh, monthly advice column, okay? Because I, I think whatever whatever is being spread around, I want a piece of it. I want to get in on that. I'm, I'm not sure I'll follow it. I hope I will, but I definitely want to hear it. I definitely want to hear it. So fantastic. Well, let me ask, Terry, a little bit more about you. So when we think about, um, it sounds like, you know, you are clearly uh, living the life that your mom wanted you to have, and probably even more is my guess. So let's think about some of the things that you've done that you're particularly proud of, right? So you've got a long life ahead of you, but if you look back on what you've done so far, what are some of the things, Terry, that you are most proud of? And let's not say your kids or grandkids, because I know they're amazing. I can already tell it, right? So in addition to them, because we're proud of them as well, right? But in addition to them, what are some other things that you're really proud of that you've done? Well, first of all, I have to say that I'm most proud of being a God-fearing woman. Okay. Uh, He's first in my life. But I am also proud that I've successfully balanced being a child, a wife, a parent, a sibling, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. A professional. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't easy. Yeah, it wasn't easy, but I, I, I think I did a pretty good job of balancing. As a child, as I told you, I was Miss Goody Two Shoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, as a wife, we've been married for forty-three years, and wow. I have to say that my criteria <laughs> for my husband—I was teaching school, and I was. Uh, Carpooling with the young lady, and she said, Jeter, I have somebody who wants to meet you. And I was thinking, I'm really not that interested. (laughs) When I was sitting, I had just moved to a new town. And I was sitting, I said, Well, what do I have to do? I go to work and I come home. And my question for her was, Is he tall? Yeah, that was my only criteria. (laughs) You're very picky. You're very picky. (laughs) And I do have to say, God was looking out for me on that one because I got tall plus much, much more. Oh, boy. 43 years of that tall and much, much more. (laughs) (laughs) The nice thing about it is we still like each other. Love is there, but we like each other. We like being with each other. We have a lot of fun jokes. 
Well, you know, we, we have our ups and downs, but it's, it's, I, I wouldn't trade anything in for the 43 years that I've had uh, with him. As a mother, and I know that you said you didn't want me to talk about that, but I'm, I'm pretty proud of my kids. Uh, they are wonderful. They're caring. They're respectful. They were obedient when they were growing up. Now that they're adults, I think it's good. Now I'm the child and they're the parent, and I have to be obedient to them. <laughs> but uh, uh, they're, they're successful, and they appear to be uh, quite happy with where they are in the stage that they're in, in their lives. Professionally, I spent the first five years after college as an elementary school teacher, and then I went to work at Care First Blue Cross Blue Shield, and I spent 43 years there in a lot of different positions and capacities, and most of it being in leadership and doing documentation and training. Uh, as a sibling, we're all doing fine, and we are fulfilling my mother's uh, wish that we remain close. We have uh, conference calls where we talk about any and everything, catch up on each other, we visit. Uh, so we're, we're, we're doing well as siblings. As a professional, I have to say that I... I think I did a pretty good job there. I got a lot of commendations and monetary rewards, and I made a lot of friends that I still am friendly with, that, uh, even though I've, I'm retired. But what I learned from all of my experiences, be it a child, a parent, a wife, a sibling, is that there's certain things that make you successful in life, it's being fair. It's being kind and patient. It's being respectful of others. And it's being able to provide constructive advice. Because a lot of people, I find, can't deliver constructive advice where it is readily uh, received. Yes. It comes across as being more critical mm -hmm. and turns people off a lot. Mm -hmm. But doing all of those things uh, help you be a successful person and it makes you be a good person mm -hmm. and um i learned all of that from my parents as well as my siblings and as well as my kids because kids teach you yeah you're always thinking that uh you're teaching the kids they're learning from you right. i've learned a lot from them you're talking about the balance of all the, the roles that you have I spent a lot of time thinking about that, right, about those different roles that I play um, that my mom also played, right, of being the mom and the, the sibling, you know, and the child and then the, the professional and the spouse, all of those things. And uh, I wish she was around to ask her more about that side of things, like how she thinks I'm doing. I think I'm doing okay. But the other thing when you talked about siblings is a big deal because I, I'm lucky like you. I have a lot, right? So I have um, four brothers and sisters, and I learned so much from them. My husband sometimes jokes that he thinks that, because I was the fourth one out of five, and uh, mm -hmm. he jokes that sometimes he thinks I was raised sometimes more by my siblings than by my parents. And <laughs> that's not completely true, but there's some truth in that to the extent that they certainly modeled a lot of things for me. You know, they showed me um, how to be a good student. 
they did, went to college before I did. They got their jobs before I did. They got married before I did. So they showed me, became parents. You know, I'm the last one in my family. I got the youngest of all the grandkids, right? Um, so I'm learning a lot from them. And uh, that's a good reminder. You know, I try to create space to visit with them. And I just had a three-week visit with my brother, which has been the longest we spent together in a long time. And um, those exchanges are really powerful for me. Can I ask any special, thinking about siblings, is there anything special you do to try to stay connected with them? I think you said you all have text groups and things like that, but anything else, anything special that you do to, to try to stay connected to your siblings as you get older? Well, it's the text and we have bi-weekly um, conference call. Wow. And it's a tradition. Not all of the siblings can make it, but uh, Thanksgiving at my sister's house, my sister actually married my husband's brother. That's convenient. But yeah, they live in Danville, Virginia, and Danville is kind of a, a central hub uh -huh. for uh, all of the other siblings to come and travel to. So we we have that at Thanksgiving. We have had some family gatherings, not as much as we'd like to, and we've been talking about that uh, lately, that we need to spend more time as together as a family. In fact, one of my nieces sent a text message, and that's basically what she was saying. And I think she said it because COVID kind of kept us under wraps for a long time, and she's missing uh, the, the visits and the camaraderie that we had yeah. Yeah. Um, when we were able to move around more freely. Yep. That's the same for our family. COVID really uh, kept us apart on, in very different places, different corners of the world. And so I'm with you. I'm with your niece uh, in terms of how do we get back together and get back on that plane? Well, plane literally sometimes, like flying to them, but also just that, that, that same level of connection. We spend a lot of time on the phone now. I'm not the, one, the type that likes to be on the phone a lot. I, I, I'm, get on there, say what you have to say, and get off. <laughs> That's my husband. When I'm talking to my brothers and sisters, I look up an hour, an hour and a half later, we're still talking. We, we do that too. That's so great. I love that. I love it that you have that kind of a connection still all this time later. Well, let me unpack a couple other things if I can. So um, we glossed over your career, which I know is quite distinguished because I've heard a little bit about it. But I am curious, you made a decision at some point to retire. And I'd like to think a little bit about those years, like in your 50s and, and um, in your 60s. What are some of the things that were pivotal for you? I want to dig into that, Terry, because, again, there's not a lot of discussion, I think, especially among women, about what those years are like and um, what those decisions are like. And I'm curious, you know, you're, you're doing really well. You're, you're well-balanced, it sounds like. What advice do you have for women, either professionally or personally, in their 50s and 60s as they face some of these big decisions that really set up the next decades of their life? Okay, so I have to go back to my entire adult life um, leading up to the 50s. It was a kind of a pattern with me because I'm an overachiever. Uh, so I was trying to be a superwoman. Mm. Uh, I, I succeeded most of the time, but it was mainly to my detriment. I would have to say my kryptonite was putting everybody else's needs and wants and agendas before mine to the point where sometimes I didn't even meet any of my needs. And there were times when I kind of lost myself. I, 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 did, I didn't know who I was, what I needed. 
So I, I, I had to sit back, and, and, and when I reached, kind of reached the 50s and the 60s, that's when the kids were leaving. That's when they were, they were leaving, which gave me a little more time, although the, you know, where there's a void, something always fills it. Right. Work filled it for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm still superwoman performing and pleasing everybody else, and still I'm on the back burner. So I learned from that, and I started doing it as I got closer to retirement. And now that I'm in retirement, I'm in full force. What I had to do was to spend time getting to know myself. I had to identify, re-identify what my wants and my needs were. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn how to selfishly carve out time for me so that I could meet those needs. And that was the hardest part for me because I spent so many years of my life doing for others. Um, But I have to say that I'm getting a lot better at it. And I am not to say that I wasn't happy or content where I was at any point in my life because you have different phases in life where you have different objectives and, and, and things like that. But now is my time. <laughs> now is my time. I'd still put in God first. Right. It's always first. But then I have to put myself, and I, I, I would tell anybody at any stage in life to make sure that you're not losing yourself. Because when you call out time for yourself, when you fall in love with yourself, you're a better person. Mm. Concentrating on your health, because that's one thing I didn't do either. I didn't concentrate as much on my health, healthy eating, exercise, and mental and social stimulation. You need all of those things. And when, when you do all of those things for yourself, you become happy and contented. And a happy and a contented you results in healthy relationships for yourself and for others. So that's what I've I've found. And if I had it to do all over again, I would put me in there. I would find a little sliver of time for me, more than what I did. Can I ask you? So first of all, I am so happy we're having this conversation because this is the conversation that uh, I was hoping we would get to a little bit. Because I will say that, like you, when we when I uh, get caught up, you know, in work and life it is easy for me to lose focus on these other things that are so important. And uh, I have to, not, some people it comes very naturally for, I have to be really intentional and figure out how to kind of make space for it and incorporate it and tend to it. So I appreciate the wisdom there. Tell me else about your retirement. What are some other things you do just for yourself, right? So I'm curious, we often don't get enough insight into when you say taking care of yourself and, and that me time, what do you like to do by yourself and for yourself that's kind of really fun? Okay. When I um, started thinking about retirement, I also started thinking about, okay, when I retire, what am I going to do? Because I saw a lot of people just retire and vegetate. Right. They weren't doing anything. And then there were those people who got depressed because yep. Yep. there's a void in their lives and there's nothing to, to fill it. And then my children. They were really concerned about me retiring because they thought that that was going to happen to me. 
So I said, okay, that's not going to happen to me. <laughs> I can put some things in place so that I won't have to hear their mouths. Right. Looking looks on their faces. <laughs> I've got a husband who says he's never going to retire, but he works from home, so he'll see me piddling around the house. I need to make sure that I have things to do. And it's right. not things that are going to be a chore for me because right. my whole life has been doing, I, I, I have to say, and, and even though lots of it I did enjoy, but it was doing things on other people's time and other uh -huh. people's expectations and all that. So now it's time for me to think about what I want to do that will fulfill me. So I, I made a list. I made a bucket list. Okay. I like reading, so I have my Kindle. Earlier on in life, I sketched charcoal sketching. I have pictures all along in, in the house, and I kind of stopped doing that. So I ordered my charcoal supplies and the paper so I could do some sketching. And then I said, I'm going to branch out, and I'm going to do also watercolor and painting. So I got all of those supplies. I did needlepoint, crocheting, wow. knitting. Wow. And then my daughter left a keyboard here when she left. And I said, I always wanted to play the piano. So maybe I'll use the keyboard and start doing that. So I printed out, uh, I, I, I'm familiar with notes because I played the clarinet in high school and I sang on the choir so I can read notes. So I'm going to try my hand and I really haven't done anything yet except done the do re me on the, the keyboard, but that's one thing that's on my bucket list of things to do. Then I said, I'll take some online courses, and it's not the ones that I'm going to be all stressed out about and I have to get graded on or anything like that. You have these colleges yeah. that give free online courses. So I've started taking some of those. The first I took was a one on nutrition. Wow. So, Very cool. So you took a course online on the look at that. Okay. Yeah, so those are all of the things I have, and then I want to, well, I've lost touch with some of the friends I had, lifelong long friends, so now it's time to renew those uh, relationships, and my husband and I, we go out periodically, we take turns taking our friends out for lunch. Nice. Um, so those, those are the things that I have right now on my uh, bucket list, and it, the nice thing about it is I do it when I want to. Mm -hmm. I'm not pressured. Mm -hmm. Nobody's monitoring me or anything like that. It's mm -hmm. whatever I want to do. And I'm I'm finding that I'm having a pretty good time now. <laughs> I was thinking about getting a dog, but I don't know. My, I, I dog sit with my daughter's dog. Uh -huh. and when, when my son was here, I dog sat theirs. And they're like, those are like having another baby. <laughs> it doesn't grow up. And I'm thinking 14, 15 years of having a baby like that. And I'm, I'm not quite sure about the dog. <laughs> you could get like a six-year-old dog or something or a five-year-old yeah. dog, you know, and then yeah. cut, cut, the, cut the term down a little bit, right? You could get one of those. <laughs> that would help with exercise, too, because, uh, you know, we, they, when I did have a dog, now my kids had dogs, but they were really mine because I was the one taking care of them and uh, taking them on the daily walks with uh, help with exercise. You know, I'm seeing a couple of um, continuities. I was just thinking about how you mentioned now you're taking these online classes and I was thinking about how your own mom 
you know, when she had time for it, went back to school and got even more education. And um, so this long time commitment to learning, right? I mean, you you got your degrees and had your job and now you're still pursuing it, right? You're still doing um, classes mm-hmm. on your own. <laughs> and then I'm also, I was thinking again about your husband's um, advice letter that I got to figure out how to get on that mailing list. But then I was thinking about uh, Bernard's, you know, uh, writing that he does, right? For all these publications and things. And so I'm just seeing again, a connection. And we are wrapping up and I'd love to have just a final thought from you um, as you think about any other advice or wisdom you have, you know, for someone like me who, you know, I'm in my, my 50s now and I'm getting ready for this next phase of life. Um, others that may be listening and as you are coming today, maybe there's something that's kind of a, a final bit of wisdom, maybe a mantra or a phrase or a um, saying that you tend to follow. Any advice or kind of final bit of wisdom for us? Um, I've already told you what type of traits a person, uh, a good person has. And uh, I've mentioned that God is first in my life. So I wouldn't quote a scripture uh, that is kind of my mantra. Okay. This this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And it's John chapter 15, verse 12. And that's really deep. And in, in the Holy Bible, it tells you that more than one time about love. And lately, I have to say, I'm giving a message because everywhere I look, I speak, I see hearts. Aww. <laughs> and you know, uh, but if you think about it, Jesus loved us so much that he died on the cross for us. And if we exhibited that type, same type of love for everybody, we would not have the situations that we have today in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, the wars and the hate and all of that. How, 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 if you love somebody, how can you do those things to them? Mm-hmm. So if, if, if all of us could just practice that, doing things to show love, I think the world would be a better place. No, I don't think I, I knew it would be. Well... I cannot top that, and I can't. I can't even add to that because that pretty much uh, sums it up. And again, I can see the way that that's playing out in your life and in the lives of you know your your son, my friend. And I am thrilled to have been able to experience some of that love um, through our conversation today, Terry. So, thank you. We'll talk again soon. All right. Thank you very much for. Your help. 